Father, for the fact that you are that one and that there's only one way to you and that's through your son, Jesus Christ. And thank you for the fact that you've made a way for us to have a relationship with you that is real, that, that can be something that's part of our life every day. And thank you for the restoration and redemption that comes in knowing your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the hope and the freedom in life. And Father, in the next few moments as we open your word, we pray that we would see a picture once again of Jesus Christ. And we would see the love that the Father has for those that he created, that he was willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice, his son, so that we could have life. Thank you for that. So be with us in the next few moments. I pray that you would still our hearts. I pray that your spirit would be free to speak as you would like to. And we'll praise you for what you do in our hearts and our minds in your name. Amen. Thanks. You can have a seat. Glad that you're with us this morning. I know that some of you have been thinking and asking the obvious question, which is this. Uh, this greenhouse, we're, we're already halfway through January. Anybody realize that already? Yeah. And the winter has been not bad, which is great. I'm happy about that. Uh, but that means that the young start planting in March in the greenhouses. Now, they don't get to here quite in March, but this, this is not that far away where this will start filling up with plants, and we'll have to kind of rotate around the plants and say, no, I'm joking. Um, no, what you're probably wondering, so what's next? What are we going to do after that? And uh, last Sunday afternoon, our elders met for a little while and talked about that very thing. Uh, and what we're planning on doing for the summer is we are going to build a stage right down at the uh, admin building. And we're going to do drive up and camp chair church again this summer and be praying for us because we're making decisions right now about the fall. And uh, there are some opportunities for us in terms of our own space. And uh, so just be praying in the next couple of weeks as the elders continue to walk through figuring all of those elements out. But this summer, uh, we are headed down for drive-in and camp chair church once again. And you'll see a bunch of uh, information about that. And we'll get a group of us together, build a stage that's covered and uh, opportunity for us to leave our sound equipment so we're not tearing it down and, and setting it up every week uh, like we did last year. And uh, so we're, we are making plans, but be praying as we, uh, a lot, we, we have, we have uh, rotated, pivoted, moved, changed, been flexible a lot. And uh, we're willing to keep doing that so that we can keep worshiping God. But that's what's coming. Uh, so just keep your eyes open and we'll keep you informed the best we can as, as we continue to move forward. If you've been with us the last while, we have been wandering through or may, intentionally walking, maybe is better than wandering, uh, through the entire Bible. We've been doing a series called The Whole Story. And this morning we find ourselves in the book of Ezekiel. And uh, Ezekiel is my son's favorite book. Yes, the apple does not fall far from the tree. He is strange like his father. And since he was very, very small, he has read and reread the book of Ezekiel. I would go into his room when he'd be doing his Bible around, like, what are you reading? He's like, Ezekiel. I'm like, really? Seriously? And he's tiny. And he's like, yeah, I love the book of Ezekiel. And I'm like, you're weird, kid. And so this morning we're in the book of Ezekiel and I have to do it justice because it's his favorite book, and we've, we've talked a lot about it, uh, he and I. Um, 
But it's a strange book if you've read the book of Ezekiel at all. There's, Ezekiel is a prophet, and he's one of the exiles that got taken down to Babylon when Nebuchadnezzar took over Jerusalem in 536 B.C. And as one of the exiles, Ezekiel finds himself mourning for the people. The king and the kings, really, who had led the nation of Israel had been selfish. They had chosen not to follow God. And the nation as a whole was suffering the consequences of the king's disobedience. The feeling here is the same as when you're a parent and you've grabbed your child and you've taken them aside and you saw the direction that they were going in their life and you knew that the outcome of the direction that they were going was going to cause some pain or a lot of pain in their life. But they're coming along as a child where they need to make decisions on their own and you know they need to make those decisions on their own. And so you know that you can't make the decision for them, but you warn them, you take them, you know how you grab them and you say, look, if you do, if you go this way, here's the outcome. And you already know the consequence. That's Ezekiel. Ezekiel as a prophet knew what was coming and as the prophets before him, they had warned the kings and warned the kings and warned the nation of Israel. And so as a parent, you warn that child, but then you know the feeling that got that heart-wrenching feeling that you have after the child makes the decision and they do what you know is going to hurt and it does and it hurts. And you as a child, as a parent, know that you can't take the consequence for your child. You just have to watch them go through it. And so as a parent, understanding all of that, you sit and in your heart, you're mourning for them because you know what's happening. You know what's going to happen, but you can't change the outcome. And there's a heaviness in your heart. And you can't take it away from them. That's Ezekiel. That's where he is when he's writing this. He's writing with this incredible, incredible, heavy heart because he's watching the outcome of something that he knew would happen and the prophets knew what would happen. And now they're experiencing the weight of the decisions of these kings. This book is what we call a prophetic book. It's talking both in terms of the present, but also future events. The present events are the nation of Israel as a whole, the city of Jerusalem is being judged for its disobedience over a period of years, hundreds of years actually. But the, the events that Ezekiel is going to describe in the first third of the book are all about those consequences and it's the present and then you see some talking about what happened before some of the, the, the events of history that are described and what led to the present events. And then you come to the last third of the book and it's kind of future events. But here's what Ezekiel does is he ties those all together. He says, look, because you disobeyed previously when, when you knew what was better and because you continued to walk down that and in the present you're still disobeying God, then the future is this for you as a nation. 
The first 24 chapters are talking about the judgment of Jerusalem and Judea. The next seven chapters are about the upcoming judgment of the other nations that surround the nation of of Israel. And the last third of the book are prophecies of restoration, what God wants to do in the future for the nation of Israel. Today, I want to pick this up in chapter 34. I want to grab your attention with the restoration, God's view of restoration. But even in this little chapter, chapter 34, there are two distinct problems, here they are, that leaders fail. And what happens when leaders fail? The second problem that's addressed in this is dirty people. Dirty people. <laughs> I'm not talking about a bath, all right? It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a heart. What happens in our hearts? Dirty people. And then he ends this with the solution, and that solution being wrapped up in the future in Jesus Christ. So let's look at the first problem that's described in this chapter, chapter 34 of Ezekiel, when leaders fail. It's found in Ezekiel chapter 34. I'm going to start reading at verse 2. And you'll notice this morning, we're going to cover a lot of this chapter. And the reason is, is I need you to follow the flow in your mind. I need you to see what's going on because the same thing is actually happening in our country and in our world today. It's no different. As Mike shared at, during our announcements and his prayer time, history repeats itself. And God has a lot to say as a warning to us as people saying, look, it doesn't have to repeat itself that way. It's up to you and the choices that you're willing to make. So we're going to grab this at Ezekiel chapter 34, starting at verse 2. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't the shepherds feed their flock? You eat the fat, you wear the wool, you butcher the fatted animals, but you do not tend the flocks. You have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays, or sought the lost. Instead, you have ruled them with violence and cruelty. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. They became food for all the wild animals when they were scattered. My flock went astray on all the mountains and every high hill. My flock was was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and there was no one searching or seeking for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says. Look, I am against the shepherds. I will demand my flock from them and prevent them from shepherding the flock. The shepherds will no longer feed themselves for I will rescue my flock from their mouths so that they will not be food for them. This is the beginning of chapter 34 and wow, it's pretty intense. It's pretty in your face. When you hear the word shepherd that's used over and over in this passage, immediately, if you've been in the church or you've spent any time reading the New Testament, immediately you begin to think pastor or priest. And that's not the case in this term. The literal translation of this word is actually leader or king. It means ruler, someone who has been given authority authority over a group of people. And so in this passage of scripture, he's saying this, woe to you leaders. 
And that's why the warning here is when leaders fail, when they fall, when they fail, this is what happens. And God, through the prophet Ezekiel, is looking at the nation and he's saying, kings of the nation of Israel, woe to you. And the reason is because I told you which way you should go. I told you how to lead my people. I told you what you should do for my people. And instead, you were selfish and you looked after your own gut really what he says here. You cared about how you ate what you looked like. You cared about your palace. You cared about your stuff, not my people's stuff. That remind you at all about a day and age that we might be living in where people are more concerned about their own selfishness than they are the need of a people as a whole. Well, that's what Ezekiel's talking about here. And so God, through Ezekiel, looks at all of these people and he says, I am going to take my hand off of you. I've taken you down into exile. And now you're going to bear the consequence of your disobedient or disobedience to me. Ezekiel is reminding those who are responsible for leading that they set the stage and allowed the destruction of this people because of their lack of care and concern for the responsibility that God had given them and he had placed on them. Folks, the scripture tells us this about those who are in leadership, that God himself allows them to be put in power and he removes them from power. It is God's decision who it is that's in leadership. And when they are placed in leadership, God himself gives them a responsibility to lead well. And that's what he did with this group of people. And they chose to care for themselves and not the nation that they were responsible for. Then look at the promise that God gives the people in the middle of this. It's found in Ezekiel chapter 34, starting at verse 11. He says this. For this is what the Lord God says. See, I myself, this is God stepping in. Look what he says. I myself will search for my flocks and look for them. As a shepherd looks for his sheep on the, on the day, he is among his scattered flocks. So I will look for my flock. I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and total darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from all the countries and bring them to their own soil. I will shepherd them on the mountains of Israel and in the ravines and in all of the inhabited places of the land. I will tend them in good pastures and their grazing place will be on the Israel's lofty mountains. There they will lie down in good grazing places. They will feed in rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. I will tend my flock and let them lie down. This is the declaration of the Lord God. I will see Seek the lost, bring them, bring back the strays, bandage the in, injured and strengthen the weak, and I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will shepherd them with justice. Do you think God cares about his people? <laughs> Did you notice all of the statements in there of what God's going to do? If that doesn't get you excited, folks, nothing's going to. 
Because God looks at what the nation, the, the leaders of the nation had done. And in that first passage, he goes, woe unto you, you didn't do what I asked you to do. And he doesn't leave it there. He doesn't say, oh, sorry. Sorry, guys. You're out of luck. These people didn't do what they were supposed to do. No, that's not how God functions. God looked at their failure, the leader's failure, and then he says, folks, because they failed, I'll step in and I'll pick it up. I'll be the one who makes a difference. See, when leaders fail, God has a solution for that. And his solution even today is his son, Jesus Christ. God sees the plight of his people and he sees the injustice of the kings and he points ahead and he lets them know that there's a day coming when all that has been made wrong, all that was done wrong, all that, that the, 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 work, the work of the kings, the selfishness of the kings, it would all be made right in one person, one leader. And that leader is Jesus Christ. And we're going to see later in this same passage that that promise still extends out. It doesn't end. He explains how he will be different than the shepherds that they had in the past. He will fulfill all of the requirements and the actions of a good leader. Restoration and renewal will be wrapped up in who he is. Every wrong will be made right. Leadership will be restored. So one problem, when leaders fail, what happens? The people are left and they're scattered and they're without hope. Second problem found in this passage of scripture, which I already told you, is this. Dirty people. This thought is wrapped up in the word Israel, which we're going to see in a minute. And I need you to understand that the word Israel here isn't a reference to the nation as, of, uh, as a whole. It's a reference to people, to individuals. It's smaller than that. What do I mean? The distinction is this, that there are people in the nation of Israel who trust God as Jehovah and there are people in the nation of Israel who, who don't, who have pagan gods. Remember, all the way through the Old Testament where God would make the distinction, he would say, look, serve only Jehovah, only the creator, only God himself, I am. Serve only him. And remember, at the same time, there were people who would say, no, I'm going to serve the pagan gods of the nations that were taking over or that we're living in. And God would say, no, you got to serve just Jehovah. Stay true to Jehovah. Well, that's the distinction that's being made here is that there are two camps and that carries over also into the New Testament. Let me read it from Ezekiel first, starting at verse 17. As you, my flock, the Lord says this, look, I am going to judge between one sheep and another. Between the rams and the goats, isn't it enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also trample the rest of the pasture with your feet? Or isn't it enough that you drink the clear water? Must you also muddy the rest of it with your feet? Yet my flock has to feed on what your feet have trampled and drink what your feet have muddied. Therefore, this is what the Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. It's like, what in the, what's he talking about? Go back to what I said. This is a group of people. And what God is saying is, look, there are those people who chose to follow Jehovah within the nation. And then there were those people who said, no, we're going to follow all the other gods. And God looks at this group of people and he says, look, you in exile, 
I'm going to be the one who comes in and sorts this out. And I'm going to say, there are those who have followed me. And there are those who have chosen not to follow me. And I will be the one who makes a distinction between the two. Now, you're sitting here this morning, and if you think about that very much, you go, okay, Tim, that's great. That's an Old Testament principle. And in the Old Testament, that's what God was going to do. He was going to sift his nation apart and find those who loved God and those who did not really love God. Those who stole the food and got fat on the food and muddied the food for everyone else so that those who trusted in God couldn't eat right or drink right or whatever. Yeah, I get it. That's an Old Testament principle. But it's not just an Old Testament principle. Let me read this from Matthew chapter 25. When the Son of Man comes in all his glory, that's Jesus Christ, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another. Just as a a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the earth. It's not just an Old Testament principle. I believe that God is sifting his church even today. And I believe that in the middle of what we're facing and the chaos that we find ourselves in, that God is looking at the church saying, do you trust me or don't you? Not corporately, individually. Because it's individuals who make up the church. And God is looking at us as Christ followers who claim to be Christ followers. And in North America, folks, it's been easy to make the claim that I'm a Christian or I'm a Christ follower. And there hasn't been much asked to see if it's true. And I think God uses the chaos and the unknown to test our hearts and to see if we really believe that he is who he claims he's going to be. And he really did what he claimed that he did. And that I can put all of my faith and my trust in him. And there's coming a day, it's promised all the way through the New Testament, where God says, I will reveal the truth of everyone's heart. Whether what is in there is made of gold and silver and precious stones, or what is in there is made of wood, hay, and stubble and will burn up. That's what he's talking about. And I will separate the church out, and I will sift it, And I'll find out what part is real and what part is not. What's interesting about this passage of Scripture in Ezekiel chapter 34 is he doesn't just describe the two two problems. When leaders fail and dirty people. Dirty people, by the way, are those that are scattered among clean people. He doesn't just describe the two problems. He describes the solution to the problem as well. Let me read it for you. I will save my flock. They will no longer be prey. And I will judge between one sheep and another. And I will establish over them, catch this, one shepherd. My servant David. And he will shepherd them. And he will tend them himself. And he will be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. 
And my servant David will be a prince among them, and I, the Lord, have spoken. Now, when you see the, the phrase there, my servant David, you say, how could that be? David's going to come back to life. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the line, if you remember the promise and the covenant that he made with David, was from your line, from your lineage, there will be a redeemer who comes, a shepherd who comes. And that shepherd will be Jesus Christ. We're given that promise in the New Testament, right? That there was one who was coming to be the shepherd, the savior of the people. But did you notice in this little passage, there's four promises I want to give them to you. Here's God's promise to us. He doesn't just give us the problem. He gives us a solution. Number one, I will save my flock. God's taking responsibility for the heart of his people and the care of his people. And I will be the judge between the sheep and the goats, the ones that are in and the ones that are out. I'm so happy about that. I'm glad it's not somebody else. I'm glad it's God who looks at our heart and he says, I'm the judge. I'm the judge. Nobody else is. And I will give you a shepherd and that shepherd is Jesus Christ. I make a promise that you'll have one who leads you. And then I love the end of this. And he says, I will be their God. I will be their God. I will be their ultimate leader the one who's ultimately in authority over them, I will be the one who sets all of this straight. This promise was not just made by God through Ezekiel to these people who were in exile, these people who were in pain and despondent and hurt. This promise is repeated for us today in the person of Jesus Christ, and it is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ himself. God provided Jesus as the redeemer, the sacrifice, the savior, the shepherd of all mankind for all time. Listen to these verses from John chapter 10. He is the solution to the two problems. That, and this solution to these two problems, the problem of leaders who fail, the problem of dirty people, this cost God dearly. But he was willing to pay the price. Listen to these verses. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. See, there was a problem with people that, that were leading and the leaders failed miserably. And the people hurt and they paid a price. And the consequences was pain and separation. And in the middle of all that, it wasn't just on the leaders. See, the people had to make decisions too. It's not just on the leaders, folks. See, you and I get to make decisions whether we're going to follow or we're not, whether we're going to say yes to God or no, whether we're going to do things our way or we're going to follow God's way. And the problem is, is that often we have dirty hearts. We're dirty people. And we've pulled ourselves away from God. And we've said no to God. But the solution in both of these is the same. It's the Savior. It's the Shepherd. It's the Redeemer, the Restorer, Jesus Christ. And all of the New Testament answers the problem of the old. All of the New Testament says, I promised that I would make a way to restore mankind to the right relationship. And I did it. I did it in Jesus Christ. 
Whenever something is redeemed, whenever something is bought back, there is a cost. Someone has to pay, always. And God looked at you and me, and he saw the cost, and he said, the cost is great, but they're worth it. The cost is great. Someone has to pay for sin, and only I can do it. Only one sacrifice can once and for all pay the ultimate price, and it's my son. I see the problem. (laughs) It's the problem of all mankind for all history, and I know the solution. Redemption is mine and my son, Jesus Christ. Hey, folks, have you received the gift of redemption this morning? Have you been restored through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. I hope so. Father, by your spirit, show us the truth of our heart this morning and help us to be willing to yield, to kneel, to say yes to the restoration found in Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you for your incredible love for us. Thank you for your willingness to pay the ultimate price to redeem us. In your name we pray, amen.